0: Welcome to Plex Weather. This is Jason Anderson from Black and Red United. The show is back. Uh, I'm back. I actually didn't go anywhere because it's winter in the mid-Atlantic and there's a pandemic. So I didn't really do anything, but the show is back nonetheless for the 2022 season to cover your NWSL champion, Washington Spirit. We have an interesting, uh, it's an interesting time to have a show. It's a big show, even though I'm only covering one of the two major issues this week. Before we get into what this episode is going to be about, let's talk about the other one very briefly, the other big issue, the Washington spirit, the ongoing saga of the club's ownership, who is going to be in charge of this thing going forward, uh, which captured national attention, especially amid the fact that the team then went on its longest winning streak of all time to win the league Uh, amid all of that stuff is effectively, if not literally over on Tuesday, Michelle Kang and Steve Baldwin met with players after training to explain to them that effectively Kang's bid to purchase the team was going to go through, that the roadblocks that Steve Baldwin had been putting up are not going to be put up anymore, uh, and that the team is going to change hands, and that Michelle Kang is going to become the club's majority owner. Now, again, that is not complete yet. It's not over-over, but it's form we're at the formality stage. So everything is as far as the practical side is effectively over. I hate to say effectively, like three hundred times to start the show, but uh I've done it. So that is the big news. Uh there will be an episode of Plex Weather about that specifically coming soon. But that news broke after the other big news in the league, which is that the NWSL and the NWSL Players Association reached a CBA on time for the start of this season. They reached it the night before players were supposed to report for training. So, with that in mind, and with this being a Washington Spirit podcast, I went to maybe the person most equipped to talk about exactly that. Uh, I have an interview for you coming up in just a second with Tori Huster, who is both Washington Spirit legend and also the head of the NWSL Players Association. We got into the weeds on the whole thing. What what happened uh, with the CBA and why the players asked for the things they asked for, how those things are going to practically benefit them, their perspectives on the whole thing throughout the negotiations. It's a good chat. Tori uh, gave me plenty of her time. Uh, she's always kind with the her time and the details uh, of these kind of things. And so we got into it. It's, it's about, I want to say it's an hour. Uh, I should know that, but I'm not looking at that information and I would have to kind of shut this down to find that, but it's a, it's a good chat and I hope you enjoy it. And I'm going to start it right now. She's back on the podcast for a second time. You probably know her. If you're listening to this, you probably know her for playing for the Washington Spirit for every season that there has been a Washington Spirit, but this one might, this, this episode might reach a little further than the spirit bubble. We're talking to the NWSLPA president, Tori Huster. Tori, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: I I guess I'll get right into the CBA side of things, because after years of work, and uh, I believe it was over 40 negotiating sessions uh, in the past year, is is what uh, I think was in the tweet. Um, Yeah. uh, You and the league came to an agreement, first ever CBA for the league and its players. I guess, first of all, congratulations. That's a a pretty tremendous uh, achievement and a huge deal, I think, for everyone.
1: Yeah, I thank you. Um, I feel extremely lucky to have been a part of it. I think it's a huge, hugely historic moment. And mm-hmm. um, had timing been any different, maybe I wouldn't have been around to take part and uh, just feel really grateful that I was able to, um, to be present for it and get to know some of the other members of the bargaining committee that I otherwise wouldn't have really had the opportunity to get to know. But um, just participating in something like the um negotiating process was extremely uh, educational for me and mm. um I think definitely want to want to make sure players are taking full advantage of of this new agreement
0: mm. uh, it is interesting to me because I know that this you know it's not like you got into the players association just recently um this has been a thing that you've been a part of for quite a while but there's a difference between at least I feel like there probably is I'm I'm saying like I know it seems like there would be a difference between the early days of establishing a players association and, and setting up the infrastructure that you all have to actually these negotiations where it's um, moving towards a collective bargaining agreement, not in theory, but in an actual document that actually will be put into action. Um, how, uh, how much of a shift uh, in gear is that for, for you and, and for the PA as a whole?
1: I think it was always something that the the PA was going to take on. I think in mm-hmm. the initial years it was um <laughs> how do we how do we start this small business so to speak? How do we understand what an actual labor union is? And with the leadership of um of Yael Averbush and Brooke LB setting mm-hmm. up the organization in a way and, and and you know just taking care of logistical things, paperwork things um mm-hmm. Having a lot of uh other other players' unions help us out along the way just to get started um I think we knew this would come eventually. We didn't know exactly when, but I think this past year was was perfect timing um just to start negotiating and and really professionalize and legitimize what we're trying to do in taking care of the players, making sure that the players are um Being understood, their voices are being heard. And I think that going forward, um, this will only help grow the league. Mm. Um, Sometimes it can be sort of this, uh, you know, uh, players versus the league, whereas Mm. I think we've really come together and um, been able to to formulate certain things that are that are going to help, you know, skyrocket this league and make it Mm. make it the best, best league in the world.
0: Yeah, I think um that's um maybe counter to if you if if for people that are listening that maybe are on Twitter a lot might not necessarily take on the fact that there is a there's an, or I should say there is not necessarily the animosity that it might seem from a distance. Um I think um you mentioned um yeah you know, over uh, Averbush um she tweeted out something about how it's not league versus players um as well. Um and she's in a different position now where as a GM, I don't know exactly how much uh she is uh in these things because she's not part of the players association. She's not on the board of governors necessarily, but um uh, that perspective that she's had being in part of a player uh being a player and then being part of a club um in a different way, um it does kind of lend that experience of like if the league's going where it needs to go, it is going to have to be players and, and clubs together rather than mm-hmm. uh, as a combatants, so to speak, which um, is kind of a, an interesting thing that I, I don't know necessarily is the popular way of thinking about it. Um, especially coming after a 2021 where fans have quite a bit of animosity towards the, the concept. I'm putting it in scare quotes of the league. Um, mm-hmm. But I I I did kind of a, a on that note, um, the announcement from the NWSLPA mentioned over 40 uh bargaining sessions, and there was some level of reporting slash rumors, whispers out there that it wasn't exactly a linear process. Um, it's not like meeting one made just as much progress as meeting 43 or however many there were. Um mm-hmm. I guess, from your perspective, what at what point did the process for this really start to get its own forward momentum? Where you knew coming to the next bargaining session that um, it wasn't going to be necessarily chipping away at the same topic, where you're like, we're, "We're the balls rolling forward, and and we're kind of in motion now towards the the end of this thing."
1: Um. Yeah. I. I um... I guess let me rewind a little bit. I think sure. um having Yael uh a part of the bargaining committee, I think that was um she was named to the the bargaining committee on the league okay. side mm-hmm. nor uh ne- more near the the fall. Mm-hmm. Um initially it had been Lisa Levine and Lisa Baird who sat on the bargaining committee for the league side in addition to their labor lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um that that changed in the fall obviously. Um Yael, like you said, has a very unique perspective. Um, she mm-hmm. was a former player, she was the head of our organization, she was a founder of our organization, um, mm-hmm. and now she is part of management. Um, that put her in a in a really, let's just call it a unique spot as well. Mm-hmm. Um and I think she was able to at the bargaining table provide some some level of uh realism and in seeing what goes on at the club on the club side, the club level. And kind of what the league is working with and um i think but also she was very understanding of what the player experience is and elevating mm-hmm. that um in a way to help push the league forward um help make this a place where players want to come and play which is only going to help market our league better mm-hmm. um and really trying to to find I I wouldn't I don't know if I would call it a middle ground to to be honest, I think um, there are a lot of wins. And when when Mm -hmm. I think back to when we first started creating our comprehensive proposal, um, we got so many wins that we we really hadn't um, anticipated. So Mm -hmm. I think we were able to throughout the fall um, because again, let me rewind, I think, as we as we gave them our comprehensive proposal, and went forward through the summer of 2021. um, Bargaining was not something that was a a regular occurrence, we, as a a players association were asking for more sessions wanting to get this done. Um, You know, having council, having labor council like that, it, it can be expensive. So um, trying to maximize our amount of time that we had with the lawyers and negotiating back and forth. Um, we really wanted to, we were, we were ready. Like we were, we were eager to, to complete the agreement and, you know, make, make this something that even gosh, if we, if we, if we could have gotten it done in 2021, we would have wanted to, um, Mm -hmm. even right before, like as we hit holidays we were like we want this done before 2022 hits Mm. um i think it's it's notable that at any point during during the negotiation the the pa we weren't holding it up we were right um i think you know we we were waiting for responses and over time you can imagine that that did that got frustrating Mm. um i think in the fall when their bargaining committee uh changed hands Um, there, there was a lot of progress seen in those first couple of weeks. And Mm. then, you know, once the, the league was about ready to round out and then we hit the holidays, it kind of, um, even though we anticipated it, it kind of hit, um, a, a roadblock of sorts. And we're getting down to the nitty gritty details that we all had seen that we're going to, um, hold things up or you know it was it was tough for us to reach an agreement um mm-hmm. and i think that just became uh something where we knew that we wanted it in place before preseason but it it was it was getting down to the wire and it it really came down to the wire there
0: yeah uh it, the uh, i kind of you know from covering mls over the years i kind of suspected all along that somehow this is a thing that would be going into the Last couple of days before players were to report. Um, mm-hmm. so to some extent, I was like, well, uh this is how these things tend to go. Um they but for, you know, fortunately it came out in a way where it did go down to the wire, but players reported, you know, no one had to make that choice for themselves of like, you know, as a group, we're we're all not reporting. We've got plenty of players, I'm sure, that you're I don't have to tell you um, that you're representing some players who are like, wow, if I if I don't report and teams bring in, you know, players who aren't in the PA, maybe I'm not on the team in a few weeks or or a month or something. Um, So it's a it's not a light decision to to say the least. Uh, I can only imagine um, that side of it, but it was good that it was coming down to the wire, but also it wasn't like on the last day it was like, okay, let's hammer this whole thing out. Um, it was, you, you, you knew you were close like you said, um, yeah. Obviously I I know, uh, this goes back for quite a while, the, the work on this CBA, it sounds like from what I've read and, and what you've said is a little over a year of when this particular, the genesis of this started, but like, I imagine a lot of these ideas I'm sure have been on your mind going back to maybe even your rookie year back in 2013 and a lot of other players as well um I realize this is kind of a a question that could have an answer the length of like a full novel um but uh are there any major I don't want to ask you for like a brief history of labor rights <laughs> in, in WSL, but mm-hmm. um are there maybe some points in time where some of the things you asked for in this process really kind of coalesced for you? And you, and you said, you know, this is a good example of something I need to remember when we do get to the day where we're talking CBA. Um, these are the things that we have to get out of this.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a lot. Um, yeah. I think uh, when you talk about compensation packages, um I think where we started in 2013 with players making $6,000, um, mm-hmm. that was something, it's just whether the whether the season is half a year or um, even if that's four months, $6,000 is not enough to live. That's not enough to yeah. survive. Um, so that was, yeah, that was priority number one. Um, and then I think, you know, this concept of, just autonomy over where you're going to play. Um, Mm -hmm. it is standard in every other league, um, to be able to choose where you go to have free agency over, Mm -hmm. um, where you decide to live, where you sign a contract. Um, even, you know, our league has these different drafts that they don't happen in other leagues. So, Mm -hmm. um, and it's a very american americanized uh, style um but if you're going to have such low salaries you can't have you can't also have control over our lives and the decision of where we're going to locate ourselves mm-hmm. um i think those were probably- those are probably the main things having um the the league or you know, if you are drafted and then you have your, your rights held, even after you retire is Mm -hmm. kind of, I mean, it's mind boggling. Um, and I think, yeah, I think as I move through and I kind of understood like season after season, um, I'm kind of an anomaly, honestly, being at the same club for however long I have been here, 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely an, an anomaly, and I wish more people had the stability that I have in knowing that I'm going to play here. That could have changed at any moment now, but mm-hmm. um, having that loyalty from um, the leadership here, and in turn, like the mutual respect that I had for the club, um, and also just not wanting to pick up and leave, I think I, I definitely lucked out in that capacity. But thinking of all of the players, a lot of my best friends, my teammates that, um, were moved at the drop Mm -hmm. of a hat, um, before, before games and just how uncertain, I think the league made players feel, um, playing a game that they love and that they work so hard to master. Um, that was something that over, over time as negotiating went on, um, even this past year, I think to to have some sort of free agency in the first contract or negotiated in the first contract for 2023 I think mm-hmm. was huge simply because of the really bad experiences that I had and in the in honestly the very sad stories that I've heard every year of my career um mm-hmm. and just been like super disappointed in how things have been handled and I think having some more parameters over when players can be moved and traded and whether or not they have semi-guaranteed contracts or if they negotiate a guaranteed contract. Um, I think having having those rights and um just that aut- autonomy is hugely important for for an individual, um, mm. regardless if they're playing soccer or if they're just, you know, working a nine to five, I think yeah. having that um freedom to choose what you do, where you do it is is really important.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is kind of a, it's a sad thing, but it is kind of a recurring, uh, you know, the idea that, um, you know, my boss at my day job isn't going to come in one day and say that I've been traded to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that I need to get to Arizona in like two days because uh, they've got a big thing going on that I have to, I have to be there for. Um, yeah. Whereas, uh in nwsl for most of the length of the league that is something that could have i mean not it became like my understanding at least is that it was like a club to club thing some clubs were maybe better at handling that or a little less likely to pull the trigger so quickly Mm -hmm. Um, but there's still not a standard um and so theoretically your team could come in and i mean yeah Last year, there was the famous example where North Carolina and Kansas City had a trade, what, two days before a game, and they were playing against each other. Yep. And then those players got traded and were playing against their old teammates before while their stuff was still back uh, in their apartments, um, things like that, um, right. which I, I feel like uh, I can't – I don't know how else to say it other than it seems extremely bad uh, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that could happen to anyone. So. Yep. Um, obviously a really important um you know uh protection to put in um i i know i guess we'll start uh with that because i did wanted to go over i wanted to go over some of these um the specific uh changes that are coming in that that the the wins that you guys got in these negotiations so since we're talking uh free agency and those things um the the free agency in in question here it starts in twenty twenty three uh, mm-hmm. With players with six service years, and then in 2024, that comes down to five service years, and then after the year after that, it's restricted free agency for players with three service years. Um, now, this is a big one. I'm not a labor rights scholar, uh, but I am a sports fan, and I'm kind of a nerd, so I have read <laughs> a bunch. Um, but this seems like a big one. Every single CBA for every single sport, um, I know covering MLS that it took them 20 years to get a similar system with the service year requirement uh, into place. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I know some of the owners are from the, from NWSL are also involved in MLS. So there's some sort of um, possibly they understand it as a model. Um, but how much was a, how much of this was a sticking point that the the whole idea of free agency and then the specifics of, the system that has been worked out, uh, how much was that a sticking point for all of this
1: yeah it, it was huge it was a um, very big priority for for the players, especially mm-hmm. as we hit January, and we were trying to get this done um so that we could run a vote on it um it was just the concept of free agency was massive and uh, you know sitting on some of these calls with players and hearing their stories, hearing how adamant they were about having certain guidelines in place to hold clubs accountable for who they're selecting um, mm-hmm. to give contracts to. Um, I think that they're, you, can, you can go so far as to say that um, just the selection in general, um, I think clubs could be pretty willy-nilly with it. Um, mm-hmm. because they could waive or trade a player at any moment, and the player could do absolutely nothing about it. Um, so I think returning that power to that and that freedom to the players was um something that doesn't necessarily cost money. Like it doesn't cost dollars right. up front. Um, and really gives it it has the potential, and I know that it will. Can you still hear me? Oh, my, yeah. Oh, yeah. My uh, I just went screensaver on my computer, but um um I think it really gives players it has the capacity to give players the um uh the opportunity to feel this loyalty for their club because the club mm-hmm. is willing to invest in them. You know, if if they can only trade them during certain points they're going to be developing them and investing in in these certain individuals which I think is great that's going mm-hmm. to give um, players more certainty in in their in their lives in being mm-hmm. able to um, stay in one geographical location for a longer period of time without the um, burden of being traded or I guess the the um, the uncertainty of being traded or waived at any moment mm-hmm. I think, um i think it's i think it's huge and it, it, like i said before it 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 didn't cost anything so um to get it in a first contract i think that's something to be said about the the hard work that we've put into it and um and not moving on that but um i do think that you know, we didn't have a women's league 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. we do need it is a sign of the times that we're negotiating this contract at a, at a moment in time where these things are very normalized. Think, thankfully for the MLSPA pushing standards and um, other other leagues kind of creating that standard. But mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't think it would have been it would have been good to not have it simply because MLSPA 20 years ago didn't negotiate that in their right. first contract. Um, so yeah I think I think it was extremely important, and players players were adamant about having it in
0: um this is just my own read then, and you can uh please correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, to the point of the clubs having a reason now or more of a reason, um, it's not like they didn't have a reason before, but more of a reason to invest in developing the players that they've brought in um, mm-hmm. you mentioned before that you're an anomaly in the league having been with the spirit. Um, I think it's you, what Lauren Barnes and, and, uh, Jess Fishlock are kind of it as far as, um, and Jess Fishlock has played elsewhere in that time. But I, I feel like it's very few players that have been, um, have the time served with one club, um, yeah. like that. Um, it seems to me like this would also be, if I were a club, an easy sell in terms of, uh, building more of a club culture or more of an institutional, like, this is how, this is what we aspire to. This is who we are as a team. Um, Mm -hmm. some of that is having the same people around year after year. Um, and this seems from the outside for me, like a good way to build that would be, you know, protections where players that maybe their first, you know, five months, they struggle to get up to speed on the playing side. Maybe it's because they are in a brand new location, or it's just a different way of doing things. And you might end up building that culture through pushing through that and, you know, establishing more roots. Um, Whereas previously pre CBA, a team might've been like, well, the draft is coming up and, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some good right backs in the group. So maybe we'll just move on, Um, which short term maybe makes sense for them, but, you know, two or three years from now, and they're reset, you know, hitting the reset button, so to speak. Um, You know, what, what does that organization feel like when the changeover is so much? Um, I I don't know if, um, I hope I'm making sense at least. Um,
1: Yeah, I think, I think it makes sense. I think um, you think about any of the clubs within the league that have um, had some sort of, oh gosh, uh, legacy or dynasty, um where they've gone back to back i think the only club would have been carolina mm-hmm. uh courage at this point but even thinking like kansas city they've they've won twice um when when the clubs have this core group of individuals um that really identify with the club's values or 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 they're creating mm-hmm. themselves the club's values um i think that is shown to create success Mm -hmm. Um, that, um, what would you, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the continuity that is created when you keep core, um, a core group together is Mm -hmm. it's really stabilizing for players Mm -hmm. and in a, in a way that, um, is gosh, it's, it's just really helpful. It's really beneficial. It's that predictability is um, can be really important and, uh, kind of calming. Um, mm-hmm. and I think I've seen that, um, I mean, Seattle has been successful for a while and I, I obviously they've had lots of change over. Um, but I think the, the core values that they have there with Lauren and Jess being their leaders, I think, um, they've managed to be successful over the years, over the course of 10 years, um, you know, making playoffs most, or, or just missing out most Mm -hmm. years. Um, I think here, when I think back about, you know, I am the only individual that has remained, um, a part of the roster throughout the 10 years, the, the change, whether it was with, um, you know, player personnel, or it Mm -hmm. was a change in coaching that always made it rocky. And Mm -hmm. it was like, you couldn't build on the season that you had before. It was like a a clean slate, so to speak, but it wasn't in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, you you were starting at ground zero all the time, and um, I think I think you're right, though. I think you're definitely on to something. If um, the the clubs are held more accountable by their selection and thus investing in certain individuals, keeping them around for longer, um, that is going to essentially create this core group, and um, then you're able year to year build you're able to build on what you had the previous year and I think yeah I I think that just kind of leads to growth for Mm -hmm. for the club and also an understanding of what the club is about Um, you're able to create that because you're even the players are then invested in the club Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah I I definitely think that that is an important concept that will come about as a result of free agency
0: yeah I I hope so because I know with the spirit, um, you and and Andy and Aubrey have kind of, um, as a as a trio, are, are sort of referred to often by anyone I speak to with the team as, uh, you know, I, I don't know how formal it is or anything, but it's a like a leadership uh, group, and you know, there are a lot of teams where I look around the league and I think, you know, they they don't have that because how many players have been at that mm-hmm. club long enough to even start to form something like that, um, and yeah. you know, the answer is not. Not enough uh not enough clubs have that um but uh I, I guess to to go back, you mentioned i think right up front the salary situation um mm-hmm. being so important um the league's minimum salary is now up to thirty five thousand which uh from the the announcement that that you as a players association put out that's a hundred and sixty percent increase, and there are increases built in to each year as the c b a plays out um I can only imagine that that had to be, you know, a, a massive amount. Just just as much as free agency, I would figure that the fact that you have players living, you know, we're both in the DC area, um we know the cost of living. Um 35,000 is still not a lot, but it's still a big difference from that and 20. Um or what Correct. was the the, <laughs> the previous was 22,
1: I want to say. Yeah, 22, um, twenty two five, maybe.
0: Right. And so, you know, the difference there is like I, I'm putting it in my my own terms is like, are you having a second job? Are you coaching? Um, and players can still obviously coach and whatnot, but there's no reason for them to have to coach to pay, pay for groceries and things like that. Um, yep. So uh, how how transformative is that going to be for the players that you represent? Um through the PA. I I can only imagine it must mean the world to a lot of them to have this, uh, you know, pretty substantial change in their life.
1: Yep. Um, I think that was my, one of my, there's been many hopes, but one of my hopes with getting this agreement in place is that players would feel it, feel the impact immediately. Mm -hmm. And I think with the compensation um, structure that we were able to negotiate, um, I think it will do just that um and while the minimum salary is raised we also were able to negotiate um incremental raises per mm-hmm. uh whatever range of salary you were in from 2021 um so very glad that we were able to negotiate that because i think everyone deserves a jump um right but i think that massive jump that we're getting from the minimum in 2021 to now this 35 um i think is huge and i think Um, while I hope that it continues to increase, um, Mm -hmm. and and it will, it's already uh, obviously written in for the next five years, but, um, I think the potential that players will have to be just, you know, financially smart in, in investing money, there's also a 401k, um, Mm Coming in, I think it's maybe 90 days, if I remember correctly. I'd have to go back and look, but um, things like that that are going to, uh, you can't play soccer forever. So, setting up players that are in this league to um, have long term, uh, uh, be financially free long term was also important to us. Mm -hmm. Um, We haven't had the capacity to do that. Uh, Players are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, Players are having to get other jobs and we are a multi-talented intelligent um just impressive group of humans that Mm -hmm. i can assure you that even if we even if players were making six figures they're going to have things that they do outside of soccer that's Mm -hmm. just that's the makeup of of the players that we have in this league um, especially charitable contributions. There's players all across the league that are doing just amazing work. Um, but again, like you said, they shouldn't have to do that. They shouldn't have to mm. supplement their income. And with this jump to 35, um, I'm more confident that we won't have to do that as often. I still think it will probably be be necessary um, mm. for some if they, if they want to have that financial uh, freedom in the future. Mm. But um, we're hopeful that the immediate impact is that they're not struggling month to month.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. The, um, the idea of not having to do it, you know, getting to choose to do it, um, Mm -hmm. is, uh, I think, uh, I I feel like anyone can identify with that of, uh, having that, and uh, you know, having that, um, not having that pressure on you while you're also playing in a competitive sports league where, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, there's already plenty of pressure. Um, you have yeah. to go to work and there's a crowd of people cheering or booing and whatnot. Um that, that comes with its own pressure. That's uh that's enough, I feel like, for everybody. Um I I did want to ask you 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 alluded to these um these increases for other salary levels, not just for the minimum. Um, I believe the announcement referred to them as stepladder increases, and I I have a couple people ask me exactly what that means. So I was wondering if you could um uh explain that it, it you know to the extent that you can I don't know how mm-hmm. much you can say before the whole CBA is sort of um out to the world because I'm sure that's there's stuff that I don't know because it's not out yet and I've had questions come in there I'm like I don't know. I haven't seen it. I, I can't say.
1: Mm-hmm. Um the most simple way I can put it is that uh give any um uh, take your 2021 salary that mm-hmm. that any player is getting and they will get a they will get a bump for their mm-hmm. 2022 salary um, relative to where they're sitting in in the range of salary from 2021 that probably doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense <laughs> No, no I I'm, um, I'm following but it but as the as your 2020 as any 2021 salary goes up the bump mm-hmm. that you get will will decrease, but you're still getting a bump.
0: Okay. Does,
1: okay. Does that make sense?
0: I, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me, and I feel like if you've yeah. got um, any sort of uh, business math um, or even simple math, uh, if I'm able to keep track with it, then I feel like most people will be able to keep track of it because uh,
1: yeah,
0: it's not my strong suit. So if if it's I'm not keeping mine up, either,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, this is well, like like you said, uh, everyone in the league has so many different things that they. Uh, they're, they're good at and they're working on. It sounds like this is something where, uh, you know, maybe you didn't come into the league thinking I'm definitely going to be part of a uh, player labor movement uh, and, you know, involved in this kind of negotiation about finances and things like that. And now here you are, um, right. you've, you've ended up heavily involved. I, I don't know if um, that was maybe part of the plan uh, or at what point that became part of the plan for you.
1: It was not part of a plan, um, mm-hmm. had no idea what a labor union was, um, okay. or I guess my understanding of it was from like history class and in, sure. in high school. Um, mm-hmm. And that was, yeah, not even really understood by me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, I mean, credit to Yael, she was really able to Um, get some players that and I I guess get some players at each club that she knew um, she had formed relationships with. She knew that would be organized and willing to help out. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, very grateful or um, honored that she gave me a call. Um, Mm -hmm. But really, I guess it's, it's not something that I had planned. And I don't think that when you're kind of thrust into something like this, I think Mm -hmm. sometimes it can just be something you're called to. Um, Leadership is just a a call, a calling Mm -hmm. of sorts. And um, I think that's kind of what's happened here. Um, I think that my experiences throughout the league um, and what I would consider my lack of poor experiences, but my proximity to mm. teammates that experienced those, um, made it very important for me to uh, try to make a difference or work with people who knew how, like Yael and Brooke, um, mm. work with people, help as much as I could to, um, make this a better, uh, just a. And a better experience for for players who who wanted to play professionally mm-hmm. for any number of years, um, just wanting them to have you know a better time um, yeah. and a more enjoyable time. I think it's, I think it's super important for our
0: league. Yeah, yeah I mean it. It seems like it because you know I, I don't know how anyone's going to do their best at something, especially as something like soccer. Um, that is such a demanding thing um without being set up to do their best um and mm-hmm. so it's like you know as good as the league has been i i can only imagine what it could be with everyone set up to possibly be their best um right. as opposed to here's a set of obstacles you have to overcome and then after that you get to play um mm-hmm. which you know i i feel like uh where we have maybe only scratched the surface of what the league can be which uh, is really exciting um not it's not all good news because you think back of this past year what um us players were were having to to deal with and and stand against um it, it's not exactly a fun, 100% fun thing to think about um but it mm-hmm. is serious and important so um it seems like a huge moment um and I, I guess on that front, one of the many uh obstacles that players have been overcoming for years, um, that is a you know that that was noted in the release from the Players Association is this uh you have minimum standards for housing stipends. And obviously it's not one where you can say the stipend has to be a minimum of this price because you have different costs of living. Um, you know, here we already talked about here. A little different from certain other parts of the country, um, mm-hmm. but it's also I feel like a recurring thing in the history of NWSL. I, I remember reading the reports, and it wasn't even that long ago of sky blue sky blue players in housing that I I'm not even sure would have been legally rentable. Um, uh, I yeah, yeah I think that was 2018 when that that sort of thing was happening. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So I, I guess this is kind of a it's kind of a broad question what what quantifies a minimal um the the minimal accepted standard now for the housing step and what kind of setup uh are you are you demanding that the players the the rest of the players around the league what 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 should their situation be uh from this? I know it's not gonna be a price tag so much as a uh an experience,
1: yeah. Um I think I know the question you're asking but if I yeah. don't answer right. it exactly a, let me know. Yeah.
0: No 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 I um, I didn't ask a very clear question I feel like.
1: No you're okay. Um I think uh, as it's written in the contract it is um if there is team provided housing um then gosh I need to remember um exactly what it says. Off the top of my head it's going to be difficult but um if a player is to receive a stipend, it needs to be half that of a two-bedroom place that otherwise the team would provide um, mm-hmm. in that market. Um, whether the uh, the living arrangement is acceptable for players to live in, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if there is an actual designation for that, but if there are issues, we will certainly be right on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no need for players to be living in um, not not good or safe places uh, that mm. is something that we need to just uh, right off the bat eliminate. Mm. And I think something else that is worth noting is that this um the CBA is providing minimum standards. Clubs mm. can do better. Right. Um, I hope that clubs do better. That is already some of the conversations I've had with our front office staff um mm. is that these are just providing minimum standards to make sure that, Players are covered in these certain uh, topics that are affecting their lives. Um, Mm -hmm. But that clubs, if they want to be a if they want to attract the best players and have Mm -hmm. the best experience and the best culture, they, you know, they should be doing better than Mm -hmm. than what the contract is, um, is making them do. Um, Right. But for the housing specifically, I don't know if I have a particular answer for you on um, the level of of uh, acceptability that the mm-hmm. um, apartment would need to be. Um, sure. I don't know if we actually designated that specifically, but I, I would have to go back and check. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: was it, I mean, this sounds like it's something that kind of goes back to the free agency side um, where if club a is going above and beyond the requirement and club b is just Mm -hmm. just meeting it um that might make a player's decision for themselves um when free agency comes around which is a thing that players might not have even had the that leverage in the past um uh speaking of free agency I, i don't know if um you're at liberty to say or not but um i know i i hate to keep bringing up mls but i know from that cba there was for a spell there were restrictions on how many free agents a player a team could sign Mm -hmm. um and then they just i think that just two years ago did away with that um so i was wondering if if it's theoretically possible for a team to um when free agency comes in uh in 2023 can they if they have the space, could they sign six or seven free agents if they really wanted to, if they could make that uh, pitch for themselves and be chosen by those players, would they be able to do that? Or are there caps on that front uh, that sort of restrict the free agent pool as a group?
1: There is no cap that I'm aware of as far okay. as number of free agents that a, a team can pick up. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Um, uh, what else do I have here? Um, it is, it is still a lot. Um <laughs> Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, I think it, there's the situation of um four weeks severance pay, uh, mm-hmm. 30 days housing and health insurance. You know, you talked about the experiences that you've heard from and, and you know your your players you you've been teammates with have experienced. Um the fact that they might get cut loose and before the CBA, it was like, you know, you have to move out potentially yeah. um and you have to move out like immediately um almost like drop what you're doing you you got to go um which is not a situation for anybody it's not not good for anyone uh to have that happen to them um was was that a a difficult concession to get or is is that something that um everyone was kind of on board for knowing that you know a player gets waived that's already bad news by itself um the fact that they then lose their insurance, don't have don't know where their next paycheck is coming from, don't know where they're going to live. Um it seems like that's way more to pile on someone than is uh is necessary.
1: Yeah. Um if my memory serves me correctly, from the mm-hmm. jump we have as players stressed the importance of stability. Mm-hmm. Um and and that I think you see in the fact that players can only be traded in a Um, in a FIFA window Mm. Um, and then additionally we wanted to provide that severance pay for anybody that gets waived and and also the insurance also the apartment Um, in hopes I think too that the clubs would um, just that they would it would obviously provide another layer of protection but it would make them think twice about if if they need to release this player um because it's really not a good fit um Mm -hmm. or if they if they can just do whatever the heck they want to do
0: um
1: I think that's super disempowering for um the the players that make up this league um that make this league that you know what it is Mm -hmm. um and again I think it's just that accountability piece for you know who are you selecting on your roster and you should expect to have them around because it's going to be difficult to um, just get rid of people whenever you feel like it. Um, Mm. That's not something that we feel is, is fair to the players who put in um, every effort and all of their energy to a game that they love. Mm. Um, And I I, I don't remember that being a difficult, um, a difficult thing for the, for the league to agree to, to Mm. be honest. I think they were. were understanding about that.
0: Hmm. That's, I mean, that's certainly good to hear um, that Mm -hmm. because that one seems to me like a, a pretty basic one uh, that, that maybe should have been in place from, from the jump. Um, Mm -hmm. That's, that's, uh, that's how I see it anyway. Um, (laughs) I I know a lot of, um, a lot of players in the last couple of years have been uh, brave enough to come forward about the mental health issues that they've had to confront in this league. And it's it's kind of a wide range of things that have um, come up for them. But uh, one of the, one of the new standards now is that you have this uh, six months of paid mental health leave. Um, I imagine that maybe three or four years ago, that might not have been as much of a point of emphasis as just, it it wasn't as much talked about. Uh, But now that it is such a, it's come up so much. um, And for good reason. Um, I imagine that that was another, um, I, I'm sure you had a long list of things where like, we have to get all of these things done uh, in this CBA. But um, I imagine this was another one that was pretty high on that list.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you're right about, you know, let's just call it flat five years ago. Um, I'm Mm. not sure mental health was discussed as normally as it is now um mm. it wasn't as normalized i wouldn't say um although it was definitely trending in that direction um mm. but honestly i think it's due to the bravery of some of these players that on any of our brainstorming calls you know with our with our labor council who were very adept at um understanding you know what what our lifestyles kind of look like and in, in uh some of the um, the difficult things that we have, that any, any of us have put up with throughout mm. the the course of the NWSL and prior leagues too. Um, there were, there were individuals who shared their stories and, and, you know, they didn't want to step away from the game, but they needed to, um, they really needed to take time away to, to get right. Um, mm in it, like that's any type of injury too, right? Like you have to do rehab and, um, with your mental health, it could be for any reason, but it's, it's very, it's very important that the mm. mind and body connection is super important. And as a professional athlete, your, your job is a 24, seven, um, 24, seven job. And your, your mind is just important as, as your body and, mm. Um, we felt like, uh, while I think that is a, a win that, is, that we felt just from, you know, everything last year, and I think that helped the league understand where we were coming from,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I think that across sports, this is mental health and um, just the, ha- having some comfortability around mental health and how important it is. Um, I'm hopeful that having this, this piece and this agreement, um, I hope that that's something that, uh, uh, other leagues are take notice of and really consider when, whether they have to negotiate or, or they just do it, um, you know, outside of the negotiating table. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be, that would be amazing for athletes. Um, none of us want to have, none of us want to struggle mentally, mm-hmm. but some of us need the time away from the game to be able to return to the game better than, than we, you sure. know, than we had been experiencing it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, this will, I'm going to cut this part real quick. Um, is there like a time that I need to let you go? I realize I didn't ask that. Um, I don't want to keep you on forever if you've got other things to do. Um.
1: um I've got a few more minutes. Like, okay. You think 15 is okay?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should, we should be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that, it, like, I'm not asking you, like, another question where answering it will will take a minute and you're like, oh, I gotta go. Um, oh,
1: no. Yeah. Uh, okay. Give or take 15 minutes. I should be fine.
0: Cool. All right. Uh, I should have. Uh, sorry, I didn't ask uh, up front. I usually do. And nope. I'm spaced out. Totally um, okay. Okay. Um, going back into it. Um you have this, um, uh, another aspect of this is getting um, eight weeks uh, paid parental leave, whether players give birth or you, players adopt. Obviously, two of your former teammates, uh, Allie Krieger and Ashlyn Harris, pretty notably um, just adopted and, you know, nursing facilities as well. I was kind of shocked uh, that that was maybe a thing that had to be specified that teams maybe weren't necessarily providing a clean and private space for that um Mm -hmm. despite having you know I can only imagine the challenges of being a mom and then trying to come back and play a lot of players that are mothers in the league are having to bring their children with them to training or things like that um and then on top of that not even having a place to to nurse that's appropriate um so I was kind of I was kind of like, I guess I shouldn't have been shocked because I guess there just wasn't a without a requirement. It seemed like maybe around the league, if you didn't have a requirement in place, a lot of clubs were just gonna not do anything about a thing unless they were made to do a thing. Mm-hmm. Um but I was wondering how is that a thing that has become more of a point of emphasis over time, or has that been something that players have for years now been saying like we need to get this taken care of when it, when we get the chance it has to be taken care of or is it I know certain players have talked about wanting to become mothers during their career rather than saying I'm going to retire and then do that um how how what's been the process I guess is what I'm asking as to getting to the point where that was part of the demand from players to the uh, to the league
1: um yeah, so I think in with my personal experience in in having some of those conversations with um some of the moms around the league, um mm. they've actually felt pretty taken care of. Um okay. you know whether that's with uh um like getting oh gosh, I'm trying to think. Um like having caregiving services and mm. pumping stations um all of that, I think there's not many, many moms in the league, which I think is, I think the age continues to kind of, um, the average age continues to to go up as as mm. older players stay around longer. Um, I think we're kind of looking for there not to be barriers for players to um, have children and, mm-hmm. and not retire um we certainly want that to to be the case um and i think sometimes you just need things in writing um mm-hmm. if if that's a if that's a clean nursing station and that's in writing um then it it just it eliminates the problem altogether because mm-hmm. then you've set the standard um i have not heard that that was I have not heard personally, it wouldn't surprise me if it, if it was an issue. Um, mm-hmm. I have not like that, that hasn't hit my ears that, 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 that was an issue. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I know that having and raising a child in this league with all of the travel, it can be, that can be a massive struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like a clean nursing station seems um, you know, maybe a little bit easier for clubs to provide, but then it's like, what else are we providing? Are we, are we giving them a stipend for um, child care and mm-hmm. um, just, you know, not allowing there to be barriers, some others being in our league. I think that's, that's mm-hmm. huge.
0: Yeah. Uh, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, I, one that, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these things we're talking about are, things that maybe fans won't see the direct impact of. Maybe they'll see players start to play better because the situation around them, around them has improved. Um, but one thing that I think fans will notice straight away, one of the things that is now no longer going to be the case anymore in the league, and I'm quoting directly from the, um, the tweet from the Players Association, is no more playing on fields that require substantial conversion to the dimensions of a soccer field. Uh, I, I know from watching some of these games over the years that have been played, you know, last year, the spirit w- had to win a semifinal on a uh, baseball field that got converted. Um, Kansas city last year was the same situation, pretty notoriously Western New York played a game, uh, on a field, roughly the size of like an indoor soccer field. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess, um, you know, I, I worried in some of these games where you know about this the seams giving away on the grass, uh you know, the, the player safety aspect of it seems so huge. Um, and then on top of that, there's a quality of play perspective where um as I feel like everyone knows, uh, uh, soccer played on a, a consistent surface is gonna be better than one where there are three different kinds of grass laid over top of dirt, um mm-hmm. etc um how much uh was that a point uh of emphasis for for you as a players association to get that settled where every week the standards i mean the surfaces aren't going to be the same or the same quality but it is going to be at least you're not going to play on uh, a jigsaw puzzle for lack of a better way to put it
1: yep um massive that was Mm. probably one of the and i think it's I, I know this only because we spent so much time on it, but it's, it's article 16.1 in the document. Mm-hmm. Um, it was huge. I think for, uh, again, legitimizing our league, you cannot play games on baseball fields mm-hmm. just shouldn't happen. Um, and I think, yeah, I think just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that is, um, why or how that could ever be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to play soccer on a soccer field and one that doesn't need to be converted and require a lot of money to be converted. Mm-hmm. Or if, if it does need to be converted and you're not putting enough money in it, then it's unsafe. It's just let's let's find a soccer field to play on. Mm-hmm. I think that that's where we can start. And it is extremely important. It was extremely important for the players to have that. Another piece of, um, that article, uh, in, in the document is, um, that players will play on, will train on natural grass. Mm -hmm. Um, so removing the artificial surfaces from the day-to-day trainings is going to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. going to happen now, um, And I think just from a safety perspective, from an injury perspective, I think that's the direction that the, that the league and that other leagues are going. Um, a little fun fact about me, I was a personal assistant for a natural grass turf, um, a natural turf, sorry, a natural turf grass consultant who Mm -hmm. spent years at the Maryland soccer plex and then, um, ended up starting his own small business and he's worked with many notable, uh, clubs around the world in making their, you know, their training pitches and their, their game fields, um, just top quality fields, mm. removing all unsafe, uh, even like straight down to hardness, um, mm. of, of the soil underneath and, and what the soil is composed of. And if it's a sand-based field and, and all of that, we actually, um, we had him consult uh, during one of the negotiation sessions. Um, we mm-hmm. had him on to explain some of these things in, in creating a field, um, constructing a field and what makes a safe field and that converting baseball fields to soccer fields, especially because of where you have to lay saw down and it doesn't mm-hmm. run smoothly into the the outfield of a baseball field provides a lot of, um, opportunity for players to get injured.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: it's, I think the way that I, the way that I see it is you're, you're spending money either way. You're either spending it to improve the quality of the field or you're spending it in players getting injured and Mm -hmm. take your, take your pick at that point. Like, Mm -hmm. let's just not have players get injured. Um, And so I think the, the, the wins that we had there in, uh, removing the baseball fields from our league is, is a huge one. And one that I was particularly, um, that I felt was particularly important.
0: Uh, before, before I let you go, Tori, this is a spirit, spirit podcast. I'm sure everyone (laughs) wanting to listen in wants to know how you're doing, uh, after your injury. Um, I know I saw you from the long distance at training yesterday. Um, I was down at one end of the field. You were down at the other. Um, But I was, you know, I saw you from afar. I was like, oh, good. Um, You know, I don't know how far along you are, but, you know, the fact that you're out at training, um, even if you're just there to watch, I don't, I don't, I genuinely don't know. Um, So Mm -hmm. how are you doing? How has the rehab process been?
1: Yeah, rehab's been, um, it's been different <laughs> um it there's so many i don't even know where to go with this um <laughs> uh it's been a, a range of emotions for sure um mm. it will it is to date the uh, most difficult injury that i've had um longest mm. recovery time um i'm doing well and i am on schedule so to speak um mm. with with everything and um, really, really happy with, um, my doctor and my doctor's really happy with my, um, with where I'm at and Mm. going to, you know, I, I'm out at training specifically first week of preseason, second week of preseason. There's so many new faces just trying Mm. to, um, get to know people and make myself as available as possible. I think that's kind of one of my responsibilities. Um, in being a, a leader at the club um and in within the league but um there will come a time in a few weeks where i will um i will head out of market to do some rehab and and really focus on um getting healthy so that mm-hmm. i can uh meet my goal of playing in a game this year um mm-hmm. in in this season again and I don't have a I haven't put a deadline or a timeline on what my recovery process looks like um specifically because I um I want to progress at my own rate and mm. um right now I'm yeah I'm in a good place and I'm looking forward to having some more individual one-on-one time um for myself to get back to uh being an elite athlete and mm-hmm. competing at this really high level. And I want to give myself the best chance to do that. So, um, yeah, so far so good.
0: Great. Uh, that's, that's, uh, I think that's the, the best thing uh, that, that we could have heard, uh, on the, on for the folks listening into this that are very specifically focused on how the spirit are doing the, the fact that you're, you know, I, I can only imagine the the psychological toll of like setting a date, like this is the day I have to be back um mm-hmm. probably wouldn't be that helpful. Um yeah. maybe it could be a motivator, but it also if if you get close to it and it's not gonna quite you know it's not gonna quite work out, then that I can only imagine what that does for people. So it sounds like you're going about it in a in a healthy way, which is great. And I, I think everyone would, would love to see you get back out there uh this season. I think that would be a really huge achievement. So I wish you the best of luck on that and uh thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm hopeful that I'm back out there too soon.
0: And that's it. Thanking Tori again for her time. Uh, I think it was a really informative interview, even for someone like me who's had to pay as close attention as I possibly can to the CBA uh, talks. I still learned quite a bit talking to Tori for the show. So very much appreciate her expertise as well as just being willing to come on to a uh, podcast named after a weather phenomenon at a stadium the team no longer plays in. Before I wrap the show, I did want to take a second to just say thanks to all the people that uh, have supported the show or did support the show and and my work with Black Energy United as well, covering the team. I I put out a tweet right before I left for this past Thursday's training session, and the response to it was more than I expected uh, in both uh, financial support and just the sheer number of people willing to put up anything. Uh, I was really kind of taken aback by that and in a good way. So, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone that did that. Uh, it really does make it easier to keep doing this. Uh, covers things like the fact that the Spirit have been training about 38 miles from home for me, just as, an, as an, a practical example. And unfortunately, living in the DMV, as everyone around here knows, if you're out there, if you're driving across uh, from Maryland into Virginia, and then back, you're probably going to hit a traffic jam somewhere along the way. And sure enough, that happens every single time. So these things do make a difference. They pay for the gas that gets me there. They pay for my lunch, for example, when uh, uh, I am stuck in that kind of traffic jam and find myself very hungry. And all I have is, you know, a bottle of water, which is not lunch, it turns out. A bottle of water can do a lot, but it cannot feed you. So I greatly appreciate all of the support for the show and for the written work that accompanies—well, not accompanies it—I guess it works off to the side at the same purpose. I don't know. You know, I think you know what I'm saying. And now, now that I've confused everyone because it's 2022, uh, and this podcast will remain confusing just as it has in past years. Uh, I'm going to wrap the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can find this show on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Probably the other ones as well. I don't even know what they are. But you can find this place, this show, in the places where podcasts tend to be located. If you want to see all the episodes in one spot, you can go to the podcast website, which is plexweather.pinecast.co. As I was just saying, people have been supporting the show, which is really meaningful to me. If you want to do that, there is a tip jar link at the bottom of the Plexweather website. It's it's pretty straightforward if you click on it. It's down at the bottom and, like, slightly to the right. I don't know why they've set it up like that. I would have moved it elsewhere, but I can't. So that's where that link is. The Plexweather Twitter account, I was about to say Plex Weather Podcast, but you're already listening to that. Uh, the Twitter account is at Plexweather, all one word. My personal Twitter account, which is where mo- the news is going to come from, I'll uh, tweet it out from that instead. Uh, the podcast Twitter account is kind of silly, except when I'm tweeting out episodes. My personal one is also kind of silly, but sometimes carries actual news. It's at Jason DC soccer. That's again, all one word. And I think that's all of the things I have to say. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the new music. I am recording this before I picked it. I had narrowed it down to like six. So whichever one I pick later today is going to be the one that you're stuck with for the year, because I don't want to do it again. Cause I got in way into the weeds on that. Now that I've again ended a little, uh, ramble in a silly fashion i guess that's the show thanks again to Tori for coming on the show and thank you for listening